AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Our host brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success, and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI in Action cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. To listen to the latest AI in Action podcast, head over to www.aldus.com forward slash podcast, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. Welcome to a special cybersecurity series of the AI in Action podcast. I am your host, John Petherbridge, and today's guest is Clodagh Durkin. She has over 23 years experience in cybersecurity, with 15 of those being spent at senior or leadership levels. Based in Germany for the last number of years, Clodagh has some great insights on the international cybersecurity market with specific emphasis on digital trust. This conversation touches upon local and corporate level precautions taken to maintain this trust. Join us as Clodagh gives us an insight into how she got into cybersecurity. My weird and wacky background. Uh, well, I, I started off in college doing very, very geeky things. I was doing physics and maths, and then I moved into engineering because uh, I was a bit bored. You know, it wasn't giving me exactly what I wanted. Um, and I, then I, I took a year off. My, full, my college job offered me a full-time role for that year, um, which was an air page. It was the beeper service. You know, get a life, get a mini call. And it was at the start of uh, prepaid in Vodafone and Aircell. So I ended up staying because that was super interesting and I was getting paid, which was really cool. Uh, not a huge amount in those days, but I was still getting paid, which is a lot better than having my college years. And uh, yeah, I, I stayed on in Vodafone for, for many years after that. And wow. uh, primarily from networks. So that was fascinating to see the growth of that prepaid service and, uh, you know, 3G and all the, the music propositions and the huge, you know, after 3G, the huge um, consumption of mobile as an internet provider as well. And all of the, the, the services that we could, we could do on top of that. Uh, so yeah, fast, fascinating, fascinating area of security to be in. I'd recommend it to everybody. Yeah. There's so much happening there. It's like the forefront of, technology advances and mobility and this whole thing of, of you know, we were talking about digital trust um which is a key phrase that i learned from actually one of uh, our colleagues who's in the idc um is it's very much about you know the the, the perimeter is moving very much nowadays people have so many different devices and you, you're bringing in iot you're bringing in all of these um smart devices or voice activated devices so mm. the perimeter is not just your front door anymore the perimeter has changed 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 and very often telco is in the back of that because it's powered by four five g sim cards yeah uh, wireless networks so yeah so telco is a, a a huge huge hugely interesting to me it's so um it's so competitive such a competitive market that there's always someone pushing the envelope yeah. And I think that's within the digital trust space. There's always something else that needs to be covered. Like you said there, it stops. It used to stop at the door. And now it's into the house. It's in the sitting room. It's in your smart TV. It's in your yeah. your, your telephone. It's in, it's in lots of different things. Like So what what's the sort of um, approach that like you can take in the telco industry to, to ensure like digital trust when it comes to all of these devices that everyone has such easy access to? 
So, well, actually, telco for me is is because it's so highly regulated, and you only get a license. I mean, there's been a you know, I, I when I was when I was traveling, I traveled to a couple of different countries, um, and part of it was actually following, in a sense, following the the Arab Spring up from from Ghana um, up to Italy, where we work on clean pipe technology. So, how we could identify threats from the network itself. So telco and uh, telco tel telco is under license to the government in each country that it's in. So you know you operate the license for the frequency from the government. So in a way, it's so regulated that the digital trust is innate within the telco space. I mean, they don't always get it right, but you know it's a big network. Stuff stuff can happen. Uh, very often, the problem comes in these other companies that that don't have as much regulation as, as telco space. And I'm seeing it particularly in in the, the FMB market. Um, healthcare as well has big problems. I mean, there's nobody there's nobody that's a shining star when it comes to to pure exemplary trust. We've we've seen this with all of these fines coming up, even yeah. with you know even with, with um, uh, British Airways, which you would assume would be super safe, and you discover that behind the scenes they've got the same problems as everybody else, and mm. everybody does. I don't think I've had one conversation that. People are going, yeah, no, we're perfect. We don't need any help. Everybody needs help. Everybody has problems. So yeah. this is why doing things like this and making it more, you know, a lot of us in the industry are, are finding it better to talk about it uh, because we need to start exchanging a lot more thought leadership on the subject. Yeah. Uh, that, that it definitely makes sense. And like what, one thing that I always find fascinating is the board. I suppose the board's outlook on on security and digital trust. So, like we we touched on, it like that telecoms is so competitive, and everyone is looking to push the envelope. And obviously, that a lot of that comes from the board and how innovative they could be with their new incentives and the new innovations that they bring to market. But where do you think, from being like you, you obviously were a CISO and some large telco companies, where do you see? the split between innovation and digital trust and how much emphasis is put on each? I see, I mean, it, like I've been in Germany for, for a couple of years now, okay. uh, which is very interesting. Everybody presumes that it's very efficient, very secure, very safe. And it's not necessarily because there's a lot of legacy here. Uh, digital transformation is a big theme. I don't think we, we realize in Ireland how good we are uh, like the Irish banking system is fabulous in comparison to Germany, I, and nobody believes me on that, but I swear to God, okay. we still sign pieces of paper here, which would never be allowed, uh, thanks to, to Mr. Robbie Lynch from Ireland, who did a lot of work called for him. Um, you know, it, it depends. It depends on the country. It depends on the sector. GDPR has brought a lot of attention to security, which is where the board are getting involved because they're realizing there's not just this small little geeky um area that they can they can avoid talking to because they they hurt their brains talking about too much techie 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 stuff yeah. um but they're, they're paying attention because now it's impacting where it hurts it's impacting their bonuses it's impacting their shareholder value it's impacting the value of the brand it's security has become a brand value now so how secure you are um is whether often where customers will choose you to buy from, whether they'll choose to trust you with their credit card number, whether they'll choose to trust you with their customer number or their bank number, um, mm -hmm. because people are so aware of, of 
the challenges that are happening around security these days. Uh, so it's uh, for me, it is very much a it's a brand trust. So how much do you trust your brand? And security is a big part of that. Um, and you could, it's starting to be marketed as as a big thing. Um, also, since GDPR, what's come in is a lot of procurement departments are asking companies or requiring of companies um, to demonstrate how they're holding their data secure. Now, yeah. they're going a little bit overboard with this because often the people asking the questions don't understand what they're asking. Okay. Um, I've, had, I've had a couple of people who <laughs> crying on my shoulder of this one. Um, so they'll ask for the earth, the moon and the stars. As you know, they'll go to Google and go like, what should I ask for security? And they'll go like, oh, you need to have a you know, triple secure data center in the Bavarian forest with a moat around us, you know, you know, with locks and everything that nobody can get into. And, and in reality, you just need to have everything documented and you need to make sure that you have transparency and you're, you're seeing what's going on and you're checking what's going on and you're constantly checking and you're constantly reassessing um, and you don't take anything for granted. Um, yeah. So it's become something that companies can market as a good part of procurement because each company under GDPR, each company is responsible for their subcontractors or their subcompanies security. So they're very, are they getting more aware of it now that they need to ask those questions. They don't always know what questions to ask. They don't understand, they don't always understand the answers, but at least if they have a piece of paper, they've asked the question. Yeah. Uh, if that makes sense. Um, so it's a weird and wonderful world out there. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, Oh, another thing that kind of fascinates me is like everybody is susceptible to breaches. I think that is that is just the yeah. facts of it. So everybody is susceptible to it. So what I wonder what is more important, the prevention or reaction or the prevention of a breach or how you deal with it after. Do you know what I mean? Like at the steps you take and how smooth your process is once you are breached, because ultimately you could put all the precautions in place to prevent the breach but they're all they can all be overcome by the right hacker but it always seems like the public reaction to how the company responds after the breach is usually what sticks out the most yeah very yeah very good point i mean a couple of years ago there was there was nobody um you know when when the yahoo breach happened and the sony breach happened which were so big and it was mm. such a big thing because nobody was admitting it. I mean, breaches were happening all the time. Um, and I think especially nowadays, you can assume that everybody's been breached. They just haven't admitted it or they haven't seen it. Yeah. Uh, they don't know where they've been breached. I mean, if, if you look at any company and you start to, you know, you look at their user journey of how they walk into the front door, how they're using their access cards, who can come and look through the front door, how they, you know, what's the perimeter of their outside, so what kind of services do they have exposed? It's, it's very easy to find a little chink. And this is, this is how you do it when you're trying to assess the perimeters or how hackers are doing it when they're trying to assess what your vulnerabilities are. You just, you know, you just gradually step in. It, it, and you're not looking for the big things. The big things are generally okay. Yeah. Uh, you're looking for the small sneaky things around the back that people have forgotten that they put in that could give you access to the crown jewels. So you have to assume that everything that everybody has been breached. I mean, you start from that position, then you, then you, then you're probably on a safer, safer bed. And you're very right. It's about your, the response. And we've seen that in the market, and we've seen that 
with the insurance companies, very often with the ICO in the UK, um, uh, BA were, were, had a problem with this. So they were warned uh, in 2017, I think, with, that they had a problem. Um, and they were given a chance to go and remediate it. They came back to them and they didn't do enough. They hadn't done enough. So they threw the book at them uh, and they gave them that huge, big, huge, big fine. Yeah. As, uh, was 158 million. Um, and that was, that was they, like, they had a chance to fix things and they didn't do it. So actually by having proper plans in place and, and, Budgeting for your response um, is uh, it can be as important as finding the problems. Um, yeah. So they, the two of them are often hand in hand. So if you have good methods, if you have good sock that can see what the problems are, you then automatically have a disaster response issue because you have a team in place that can be part of your disaster response. Yeah. So it, it does. So it's a really really good question, and um, it, it's. It is a bit of both, and I think it's 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 starting off just going. You know, you can't be arrogant about this. You you can't yeah. assume you're not because pretty well, you know, often it could be just somebody who can hide stuff in their bag, walking out the front door. That could be your biggest hacker, uh, and it could be your ex. You know, I know it was in one previous company where it was the next sales guy who took the contact list because he's a bit aggrieved. You know, and that's. <laughs> Yeah, well, these these USB sticks are, are very very small nowadays. And so like you know, if you forgive my forgive my old cracked phone, I need to go change this. This is this is your biggest USB stick at the moment. I'm just going to always going to take the phone off a vendor walking out the front door. Hmm? Yeah, yeah, it's it's just everywhere. There's um there's so many points of, of vulnerability for for every business, and then even the, like just down to to the household. So like. Obviously, you're coming from a, a, a like leadership positions, and you you understand the whole corporate side of it. So let's say for the listeners that are <clears throat> that could be like the the mother that has teenage kids, or the father that is um in in a similar position, or the kids that are in school and they're looking interested in cybersecurity. And I guess it, it begins with the digital trust of the phone that they have in their hands, like your your cracked iPhone you showed me there. Um, what sort of, I guess, what kind of nuggets of, of, of wisdom would you pass on to them or a bit of advice that they can, I suppose, impact on like, on a, like an immediate kind of short-term basis to kind of ensure that they're at least make, taking small but positive steps in the right direction to make them digitally secure? It's, it's about, it is about the basics and it's about the basics, whether you're talking about the big breaches or, or things in the ground. Okay. And for kids especially, like you want to make sure you know, as parents, you want to make sure that you're paying attention. It's, it's very easy to make sure to, to find, you know, to go into houses and find that the, the kids are the only one with the, the, unlock, the unlock code for the skybox. You know, yeah. They're the only ones who remember the code. The same in my house, my, my, grand, my dad, uh, my, my nephew is the only, the only person who remembers the code. My dad has no, has no idea. He only watches a late, late show and hobby. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's the simple things like that. It's paying attention. It's it's making sure that if you have devices, you know, you know, you do need to have antivirus on your on your phone nowadays. It's it's still a growing threat, but it is still a threat. So there's a lot of really good like free antivirus. Uh, be very careful when you're choosing it though. So go with the big names. 
Um, okay. I get the free version of the big names from Semantic or McAfee, um, Avast, and Avira have, have, good, have good free ones. Um, so Malwarebytes as well is, is, is another, another um, fun one. Um, I wouldn't go with any, this is a free antivirus because they're often the ones that are infected. It's really about making sure that you're addressing the simple stuff first. Uh, you, can, you, can, you can address all the fancy stuff in the end, but uh, get, get your basics right. Uh, make sure that you're not going on to, you have something that's looking, just doing URL filtering. So it's looking at the sites that you're going on to to make sure the sites, make sure the sites are not infected with all kinds of crap. Um, you know, making sure that the kids are not going on to porn sites if you don't want them to. Uh, so maybe having an age restriction that only the parents can set. Uh, there's loads of different software out there to, to help you with this. Yeah. Um, and often you don't have to pay an awful lot to get something that's actually a, that's professional or, or that, that's not just free. So it could be just a euro to a month. It's just yeah. kind of worth it to, to protect your kids, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a small price to pay, really. Um, yeah, because yeah, these has. I mean, kids now are getting they're getting them for their communion, if not earlier, and you know that's that's still that's that's the worse internet than the internet because they're carrying <laughs> yeah. it around with them all, all the time. So they're in the playground with their mates, going, "Oh, look what I saw!" And and the kids are smarter than like like anybody else, so they are figuring out figuring out how to get into stuff. Yeah. Um. And, you know, there is no difference from this internet and that internet. They're exactly the same thing. They run over the same background. They're accessing the same thing. Yeah. So you need to protect any kind of device that's accessing, that's accessing the internet. And you have to presume, as we were talking about before, you have to presume that the internet is bad wherever you're going. Um, yeah. You don't have to be paranoid about it. You just have to take some simple steps to make sure you're as protected as you can be. Um, and it's it's very easy to get very stressed with 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 security. I mean, I I like it a lot because I'm from the west of Ireland. I'm very simple, and that seems to work. <laughs> and it is about you know just not getting overwhelmed with stuff. It is about very slowly stepping through what you have, and what's the risk? How are you protected? And this works whether it's your house or it's your company. You know, you look at. Well, how am I protecting what's my crown jewels? Whether your crown jewels is your bank accounts. Um, a lot of people are using apps to access their, their bank accounts now, or they're doing a lot of online online banking or online purchasing using those mobiles. Yeah. Um, it, it's not something I personally do. It's, it's just I personally don't want anybody to get my phone if I lose it or steal my phone uh, and have access to my accounts. Um, so I keep a dedicated tablet that I do any banking on, but very often you'll, you'll, you know, this, you have your email, you have, but you got your train tickets you can buy, or you can buy your bus errand tickets. Yeah. You, know, you can hire your car from here. You have your digital wallet from here. So this thing is, is, you know, it's not just, it's not just the price of the phone. Um, it's, it's also what's on there. And this yeah. is probably the biggest challenge nowadays. How people are they're, they're downloading stuff and they don't want to pay for anything. They want yeah. to have it as easy as possible. They want to use it all the time anywhere. Um, 
they, some people find that that password you put in the lock screen is a pain in the ass. So sometimes you'll find that people don't even have a password on it. So it's simple stuff. It's, 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 you know, it's realizing what you're carrying around with you. Um, it's so true. We could just, uh, we can overcomplicate this whole thing. Um, I think it comes down to identifying, like you said, the crown jewels and what are you precious about? And um, a lot of that can be accessed from the phone that we all carry around in our pockets. So um, yeah, that's, that's just so true. No, I, look, I really, really appreciate you you having the chat. Um, I really like what we covered here and uh, I'm sure it's going to be super helpful to, to loads of people. Um, thanks so much for your time. Have a good day. Bye. AI in Action is brought to you by Aulus International, covering your business's staffing, consulting and networking needs. Aulus offer an exec search program. Aulus can help you discover how data science and AI can transform your company. With our unrivaled network of C-suite executives and senior AI professionals, we offer retained search services across the US and Europe. For more information, contact mark at aldus.com. Get the Aldus advantage. Become a member of the Aldus community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston, and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to all its members. And don't forget our AI on Action podcast. Each week we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career and more. Become an Aldus member and get the Aldus advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldus.com. That's www.aldus.com. Aldus International, empowering through AI.